Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, and joining us once again is Tifa Snow. Now, Tifa, I, I've read an article on the seven early signs of Alzheimer's disease in elders. So if someone has memory problems, does this mean it is Alzheimer's? I mean, that's sort of what I drew from the, the study. Uh, oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. I'm having a hard time with this because, number one, there are so many reasons we might be having changes in our brain function that are not related to any dementia. And the idea that anything that happens to you is gonna be Alzheimer's is a whole nother problem. And, and then to think it's just about memory problems is the third issue. So I'm curious, Greg, tell me what your seven signs were. What were the seven issues that people were pulling up that they think are the magic issues that label you as having a problem that is so significant, it will be life changing. Well, we have, let's let's see these topics. Uh, who should be looked at for early signs? Those with a genetic susceptibility. Mm, that's interesting. Those with <laughs> cardiac problems. Uh, those who are obese and have central something or other. I don't know what that one is, you know? So, I mean, they, they, it could be anything. Those who stub their toes as children or, you know. I mean, so what I'm hearing is that as we're getting older, you should be worried about your brain. And we think that you might be developing. So, so if you have cardiac problems, you probably have dementia. I mean, that, I mean, like what? So what they're identifying, there are things that we know that increased your risk for brain change that isn't healthy. You know, whether that ends up being dementia, let alone Alzheimer's, or whether it's an indication that the lifestyle you're living or some of the health conditions you have or some of the genetic code you carry is raising your risk. I mean, so is stress. I mean, if you're living with a high degree of life stressors where you feel um, you're not getting what you need on a regular basis and you're having lots of um, distress in your life and you're also maybe not eating as well as you could be or maybe you're not sleeping as well as you could or maybe your blood sugar is running all over the place, your blood pressure. Yeah, all those things are risk factors, but I'm not sure I'd call them signs of Alzheimer's. Well, can, can we back up just a little bit? And, and why is everything labeled Alzheimer's? When uh, is that because they were first in the game? I, I, I don't mean it to sound that casual, but yeah. everybody says that word generically. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to bust that stereotype sometimes. We, we do, because actually the idea that people's abilities change over time has been around a long time. But um, and we used to call, I mean, the older word was going senile. Someone was getting senile. In other words, they were showing evidence that um, their performance now is not the same as their performance before was. And it had to do with cognitive abilities, typically, some kind of cognitive abilities, whether it was thinking or being impulsive or whether it was being illogical or whether it was I'm not able to hold on to things or come up with work. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could be going on that would be changes in your cognitive ability. But in the early 1900s, very early, by the way, um, Dr. Alzheimer 
a guy who was looking at psychiatric conditions, by the way, and looking at um, people who had Parkinson's. And he was interested in a lot of stuff. And he looked and followed a woman who was 54 at the time. She was only 54. She wasn't old. And it was a housewife. And over that time period, she became less and less able to do things. And her ability to draw, because she was a bit of an artist, her ability to draw, her ability to talk, her ability. So within four years, she had died. And he looked at her brain in this psychiatric setting and he found, oh, look, neurofibrillary tangles, tangled up bits, a shrunken brain and plaque formations. So that became, Dr. Alzheimer's disease, because he was the first one to see it under a microscope. And you could see this under a microscope. So he looked at her brain after she died. And then, da-da, Alzheimer's disease. So he was the one that described that. And so interestingly enough, we know now, her, she was only 54. What would we now call it, Greg? I mean, to be honest. Well, likely it would be under the category of dementia and then dementias. Yeah, and young onset. I mean, because we would, you know, yeah, something yeah, wow, really she young, was onset. young when she yeah. got it. So it's not even the standard thing that we look at with Alzheimer's. So, so that idea that we had brain changes, and he looked at it after her death and said, and these are the two things I see that are abnormal, and her brain shrank down. And so, therefore, we will call it Alzheimer's. But that was a particular situation. Now, we have a lot of other brain changes that go on. People who have strokes, people who have heart attacks and then recover, the blood flow to the brain can be problematic. And so that could be more of a vascular, a blood supply to the brain problem. And that one could be stable or it can continue to have issues either due to diabetes or blood flow problems or hypertension. And so those folks might develop more of a vascular dementia. And then we've discovered since then that even within Alzheimer's, you know, there's all kinds and that there are other kinds of dementia, like synuclein protein problems, not just beta amyloid and tau, which is the Alzheimer's. So it turns out there's well over 120 forms, causes, and types of brain change that change your life. But a lot of changes that they're talking about doesn't necessarily mean your brain is going to change. I mean, you could have hypertension and not end up with dementia, let alone Alzheimer's. Um, so it's, it's confusing to me that we still want to use that word when that word is inaccurate for what you might be looking at or what you might be describing. Um, not normal doesn't equal Alzheimer's. Not normal doesn't even equal dementia. So we've got to do better at helping people get smarter about what is happening and what you can do about it and what you can't necessarily fix about it, but what you could choose to optimize your life with. So do we spend too much time trying to assign a diagnosis to this rather than coming up with some sort of a plan moving forward? Dad's experiencing brain change. Mm -hmm. We know that I can't go in and cut his brain open while he's still alive and I say he's got Alzheimer's. I mean, I, it's downfalls. I think ask anybody who, you know, when we went back and did some, some of that surgery early on, it was like, oh, there were negative outcomes there. Yeah, I think I wouldn't say we don't. We want to know what's happening and we want to know what the person is challenged by and what they're still able to do. So we can match a plan of care and support that goes with where they're at. 
it, it, it certainly doesn't mean if someone is using alcohol to compensate for feelings of inadequacy and frustration and feeling stressed out and I can't sleep, and they're using a lot of alcohol to try to manage that, I wouldn't say, you know what, let's work on that. I mean, because that's something we could possibly modify. But I want to know what parts of your brain are still working and what aren't. So that, for me, is a much more important distinction than what kind of malformation do you have? I want to know where is your brain doing okay and where is your brain struggling so I can plan to provide you the right support. And in some cases, like with Lewy body dementia, it also puts me on high alert if I'm seeing a lot of those symptoms that, ooh, about half of everybody with Lewy body dementia or dysfunction has a hypersensitivity to a variety of medications, which is important for a medical provider to know. And since I'm an advocate, it's important for me to know to point out so that nobody misses it because it's the most missed and misdiagnosed of the dementias. And it's expected somewhere around 30% of everybody with a dementia will have some Lewy body involvement. So it's not nice and neat and clean like these people used to think it was. So Tipa's back on the road a lot more now than she was during the pandemic. So if I want to talk to somebody, mom, dad's having problems, I don't quite understand what the doctor has said, or I, I'm really confused. Is there somebody that I can pick up the phone and talk to? Because I'm still one of these people. I like to talk to somebody directly. Yeah. I can't text. I can't, you know. Absolutely, Greg. Yeah, we have a phone connect, which is we have an 800 number, which if you want to make a phone contact, we will get back to you. You can also do an email at consults at tipasnow.com. And you can say, I want to be contacted by phone and then provide your phone and consultants. We have a group of people who we've trained who do consultations free for the first half hour. And then look at what kind of resources you might benefit from. Where are you in this whole thing? And what are you looking at? And what do you need? And what do you want? Um, and we also have just info at tifasnow.com, which is another email. You can just say, I have questions. Can you help us out? So yeah, we have lots of ways to help out if we can. Tifa, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast. For more information on any of our topics, products, or services, visit tipasnow.com.